This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrow Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. Members of the Speaker's Task Force on Artificial Intelligence have released their report and legislative recommendations, hoping to strike a balance between protecting consumers and allowing the AI economy to thrive in Wisconsin. Since the explosion of AI over the last several years, state legislatures across the country have been introducing legislation rushing to regulate. We are getting an overview of Wisconsin legislative recommendations from the task force chair, Republican Representative Nate Gustafson. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So the speaker's charged to you back in August. You had six months to do this work. He said he wanted you to study the transformative potential of artificial intelligence while ensuring its responsible and ethical deployment. That's a pretty big charge. Was six months enough to learn all you needed to know about AI? I'll tell you what, six months was just the surface. I think we really just wanted to start that conversation, where is AI at currently, not only, let's say, in the public sector, but also in the private sector, and finding out where we need to start addressing the major concerns that people are bringing up, whether it's um, a big, big topic is uh, actually kind of relevant with pop culture is Taylor Swift and the AI-generated pictures of her that circulated the internet. And ultimately, we want to make sure people aren't put in a position like that, where a lot of times people will think maybe politicians could be put in a position like that. So we look at that full picture and go, okay, here's our framework. This is what we were working towards. Here's what, what our goal is. But I think we were quite surprised with how much we learned. And ultimately, what we released uh, yesterday in that AI report does allow for us to kind of get the ball really rolling. I don't think we've actually truly started the entire process. Six months was a very short window, but ultimately I think it gets us in the right direction. Scratching the surface. Uh, let's make sure our viewers know a little bit more about what we're talking about here. We have some definitions of AI to share. Uh, these are general definitions of AI from Google. They say common AI or artificial intelligence is a set of technologies that enable computers to perform a variety of advanced functions, including the ability to see, understand, and translate spoken and written language, analyze data, make recommendations, and more. An example of that might be a virtual assistant like Amazon's Alexa. Uh, the major recent growth in AI over the last year, however, has been in generative AI, which Google defines as the use of AI to create new content like text, images, music, audio, and videos. An example of that is chat GPT. So that, again, scratching the surface on definitions, they can be all over the place. What would you say was maybe an aha moment for you through the course of those four hearings? What was something that you learned maybe that you didn't know before? Sure. I think ultimately it was how many definitions there are about AI, as you were kind of alluding to. It, I think everyone just throws out the buzz phrase, AI this, AI. We're, we're putting AI in this product, or we're trying to use AI for whatever it may be. And I think ultimately our one of our biggest goals was what is AI? Truly, what are we trying to get our hands around? What is something that we can all come to some sort of agreement on before we start building, as I mentioned before, the framework of what are we trying to protect against? What, what maybe nefarious reasons are they trying to use this for? And we can move forward with that. So, Did you change your view of AI, or did you see some of the members of the task force change their view of AI? I think 
I was blessed to have so many members on both sides of the aisle that had such a open mind to what we were going to start discussing. And ultimately, I kind of set the stage with a lot of the members that AI is something that is almost the fourth industrial revolution. It's the new steam engine. It's something that's going to change and disrupt the way that we've been living our lives. That doesn't mean it has to be for the worst. And so ultimately, we wanted to make sure that there was an a positive view that whatever we were going to see and how AI is being implemented, we want to make sure that at the end of the day, people are going to feel comfortable with using AI and starting to embrace it in their everyday lives. So let's talk a little bit more about the recommendations that you released in your report yesterday. Uh, the task force recommends five bills uh, regulating and creating penalties for use of AI-generated content in child pornography, regulating use of AI-generated content in political ads, creating penalties for distribution and publication of AI-generated content depicting nudity of an identifiable person, defining consumer rights over their personal data and creating responsibilities for controllers and processors of data, uh, requiring a comprehensive audit of state agencies on their use of AI, and development of goals for agencies to reduce their workforce through implementation of AI. Finally, the committee also recommends that the Assembly establish a standing committee on emerging technologies to deal with future issues. Uh, Representative Gustafson, why did the task force feel like those five areas, those five bills were the, were the places to prioritize? Yeah, absolutely. When we talk about AI, and I kind of mentioned it before with the Taylor Swift incident, we know that there is reputation, reputational harm that can be done to people, whether it's, again, a famous person, whether it's a pop star or a politician, whatever it may be, or someone could be doing something like generating child porn with AI. And obviously a lot of these companies did not create AI, generative AI platforms for this purpose. And ultimately we see it as a stepping stone to further nefarious uses. And ultimately that's where we landed on a lot of this, uh, a lot of the bills that we actually had either proposed or actually have already been going through the process, which means a lot of our members in the assembly are actually thinking about this area, which is a good step. Um, one of the ones that was maybe seemed like a little bit of an outlier was the data privacy one uh, from Representative Zimmerman. That one, I think, is probably one of the most critical ones uh, going through the process currently because a lot of what is being generated comes from our data. And if our data isn't protected, I think it's going to be detrimental for a lot of folks if something that they maybe willingly or unwillingly gave up is used to create something that, again, may be reputational harm to them down the line. And you heard from speakers about the important, one of the things that legislators could do was to protect consumer data privacy. Absolutely, and that's that was one of the biggest, biggest takeaways, I think, that uh, when we talk about AI, we're always talking about data, and then that data, how are we using it ethically, and how are we protecting consumers at the end of the day with that? You mentioned some of these bills are already moving through the legislature, and they were incorporated into your report. Uh, there are there seems to be bipartisan agreement on some, but not all of these recommendations. Where where do you feel like this report at was at in terms of bipartisan support? Yeah, I would say for the most part, this report we had a pretty good consensus. Um, I actually sat down with Vice Chair uh, Representative Steve Doyle, um, and we kind of hashed it out a little bit of what are some things that you know your side may want. What are some si- things that you know you could be okay with that our side wants. 
And ultimately, we added a lot of those recommendations in the final report. Some of them includes we need to look at into the future if someone is displaced because of AI. As I had kind of mentioned to you actually before we were uh, having conversation, is that people have this inherent fear that AI is going to take their job or it's going to displace them in some way that is irreplaceable or some way not not something that they can really recover from. And so we want to find a way to retool them, give them new skill sets, maybe even work alongside AI so they don't feel that AI is taking their jobs, but it's augmenting their jobs. So one person can become two and a half people with the help of AI. Uh, so the National Conference of State Legislatures has been uh, collecting what state legislators are doing. I think just in the last legislative year, uh, 25 states have introduced artificial intelligence legislation, 18 states have adopted resolutions or enacted legislation. How is what Wisconsin is doing different than maybe what's happening in other states? Sure. Our, our approach, first, first and foremost, was we don't want to regulate AI to a point where it can't be innovative, where companies don't feel they can embrace it and use it in their everyday lives. So ultimately, it was a light touch approach is how we wanted to approach it. Um, but we also want to explore the public-private partnerships that we're looking to see how can we implement this and how can we make sure that everyone is playing by the same rules. Do we have the same framework? Do we have the same ideas of what is ethical? And so ultimately, I think Wisconsin is kind of on the forefront, especially with our data privacy bill tied into there of what we think could be the blueprint that actually the federal government could come look at when they may, may want to take a larger step in this uh, development. You mentioned that there are a lot of questions about AI in terms of its impact on the workforce. I know you had some members of the task force and other people sharing concerns during the hearings about whether or not I'm going to lose my job because of AI. What did you actually learn about AI in the workforce? Uh, so what we've seen, again, is we have a workforce crisis still in our state across the U.S. We don't have enough people to fill all the open positions that are out there. And ultimately, with the AI audit bill, one of our goals actually with that, especially in state agencies where we're having troubles trying to hire uh, individuals, is that if we can't hire these people to fill these roles, we're going to need to find some sort of gap fill that we can help the employees that are there have not the burden of working for two people directly or filling two roles at once, but maybe if we augment AI alongside them, they're going to be able to accomplish as if those roles were filled. And so ultimately, that's where we're trying to say people aren't going to sit here and just start dropping off and losing jobs out of, out of everywhere because we don't have enough, we just don't have enough people to begin with. So let's use AI to start filling these gaps. Increase productivity. Um, you don't make a specific recommendation around workforce. You mentioned the audit bill, which we'll talk a little bit more about. That's across state government. But the you say the legislature could also consider whether the workforce would benefit from training and transitional support as AI augmented jobs become more prevalent in the economy. Do you think right now that Wisconsin employers and employees are ready for the impact of AI? I think a lot of them are taking very good strides to getting towards that, but I think there is some help that we can provide, hopefully, in future discussions within the legislature, as well as, uh, again, with these public-private partnerships of what do employers need in the state of Wisconsin to implement AI, and how can we help them with we that? We maybe don't have that information yet. Correct. We are, we are at the bleeding edge. We're not quite sure if, if this is going to really be... Uh, 
the pro whatever approach may be right in front of us right now is the best one. So we're we're exploring all options still. So let's talk about that audit bill. I know that's a bill that you are a lead author on. Uh, you introduced it yesterday, which was Wednesday. It's LRB 5522. It asks state agencies to set goals on the use of AI to create efficiencies and reduce their workforce. Do you is the intent of that bill where you're expecting uh, state workers that would be replaced by AI? You're expecting a reduction in the number of state employees? I don't think so. I think there's been some confusion with this bill, and I, rightfully so, I can take ownership for that. Ultimately, when we use the word reduce, we're not looking at the current workforce now. We're taking a snapshot of our current workforce in the state from the last biennium and going, okay, this is who we have. This is how many positions we're trying to hire for. Can we augment AI alongside the state employees so that maybe these open positions we can actually re resolve because of the use of AI? So it would be more of attrition rather than actually, let's say, laying or firing someone at any point if, if something was to happen. So is the point to encourage state agencies to look for AI to address workforce needs in absence of an open position they haven't been able to fill? Absolutely. And that's where... We're, we're kind of on the side of, well, maybe we've been budgeting in the, in the entire state budget process for these open positions, but you're not able to fill them. Maybe in the future, could we use the funding that we're allocating for some of these positions that haven't been filled towards the implementation of AI? Can we help you do that transition? So I was talking with some Democratic offices before today's interview, and they were sharing some of maybe the confusion that you mentioned about this particular bill. They say part of their concern is that the bill says that by 2030, state agencies need to propose in their biennial budget requests a reduction in the total number of positions based upon 2023 2024 like you said that snapshot I guess there's it sounded to me like there was concern or confusion about whether or not those numbers are accurate now that there maybe are some state agencies that are currently understaffed and using that as a baseline is maybe not the right way to go sure and originally uh, before we actually even introduced the bill a lot of the conversation we actually did have a number in there of what kind of percentage we were looking for you know, something that we could try to aim for. But at the end of the day, there is nothing that is mandating a state agency to take this up. Now, we're going to still look at it. The audits are still going to find out how are they using AI, are they using AI, and then where can we slide it in and possibly help them out. So when it comes to, you know, where they feel they may be understaffed, I think we want to see the approach of, well, instead of just continuing to try to hire folks and trying to grow maybe some of these agencies, we have technology that can do that job for us. And we can really enhance the lives and the daily work of the employees that we currently have. So a great example would be uh, DSPS. So they are always one of the entities that a lot of people like to kind of poke, poke fun of, I want to say, or find a way that, that points out some inefficiency that they might have. And they've been asking for increased staff. And they have been asking for increased staff. But I think this is one of those opportunities where if we were to try to augment AI along their current staff, they're not going to have as many, I would say, issues or uh, beliefs that they're going to need the additional workforce if the AI is doing the portion that they haven't quite explored yet. So it's kind of a give and take. So when they submit this, you know, submit a proposal is our goal of, hey, we implemented AI. We augmented it along our current staff, but we still notice maybe we've been asking for another 10, 20 
FTEs. Well, we can probably get away with maybe five. We're not, we're not totally saying you can't hire more people. Obviously, the natural progression should be that things are going to grow and people are going to need more access to the state services. So our first step is let's augment AI and then let's, let's look past that. Let's see then what are your actual workforce needs. Because typically at the end of the day, the, the person is going to be one of the most costly when it comes down to uh, a business, providing a yep, providing a service, being you know in a business. And so we want to make sure that we're being as thoughtful with taxpayer money, obviously, is the ultimate goal. Do you see the potential for an audit of state agencies like you're proposing to lead toward maybe more resources for state agencies to better implement AI in certain circumstances? I think, I think that's going to be a conversation we're going to have to have. And I think there's actually quite a few folks on both sides of the aisle that want to have that conversation. So I, I fully intend for us to have that conversation, but I think we need to really start going, okay, are we going to embrace it? Are we going to augment it? And if so, then let's have those conversations. As several task force members throughout the hearings shared concerns about potential for discrimination in AI systems. I know I was looking at the state of Connecticut. They also are doing a similar audit of state agencies. They have a specific component that asks the state agencies to assure that no AI-run system would result in unlawful discrimination against you know certain populations or impact to certain populations. Do you think that Wisconsin... Wisconsin's recommendations in your report, did they address discrimination or was that something that, that you talked about as a potential concern? Absolutely, and I think we all agree on the task force that that was going to be a concern. But when we started actually digging into it a little bit deeper, we actually did find that a lot of the laws on the books as they stand now that already protect against maybe some discriminatory practices would apply to AI. So we didn't feel that it was necessary to implement new legislation to uh, maybe cover this or maybe spell it out a little bit more clear that this includes AI, but we believe the current laws as they stand. And that was kind of a theme from some of your speakers was that a lot of the laws on the books would actually cover AI already. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that's where we didn't want to over-legislate. That's, again, it's that light touch approach still that we were trying to keep the spirit of as we approach this. I know another major concern in your task force discussions are were around that data privacy. You mentioned it a little bit, that AB 466 in your list of recommendations addresses consumer privacy. Uh, it, it has passed the assembly, but as it moves through the Senate, there appears to be some obstacles, uh, significant lobby effort from the business lobby. They say it creates billions in compliance costs. It uh, would create a patchwork of state legislation. Are you concerned about opposition to that bill? Do you think it can move forward in the Senate? I think it can move forward. Um, I understand their concerns with the patchwork, and ultimately that does fall a little bit on the federal government not moving at a rate that we all would love it to move because it's government. Um, But ultimately, I think as it stands, we need to put something on the books that truly says if you are having any sort of data, which again, we pull out our phone, we log in, whatever it may be, email, whatever it may be, we need to ensure that everyone is protected and that they have a right to privacy with that data as well. I think we've gotten into a spot where a lot of companies have, um, I I don't want to say abuse, I would say maybe weren't as upfront about how the data is being used. So when we think about free free services, uh, Facebook, Google, they're actually, their service is giving you these products so they can collect your data and sell that data. So obviously we're going to have some big companies that are going to come out and be in opposition of potentially 
disrupting their business model. But ultimately, I think it's going to be what's best for the consumer. And at the end of the day, I think I think we should pass it. And there's bipartisan support for that within the task force? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the political disclosure bill. Uh, that's another bipartisan bill. AB 664 would require disclosure in political ads when they contain AI-generated content. Uh, that seems to have pretty broad support. There's been no movement in the Senate. How hopeful are you that that bill will be in place as law for 2024 elections? You know, with us recommending it as a task force, we really wanted to give that bill that extra jump start, hopefully into the Senate, saying, hey, this is something we really should get on the books this year. Um, I think it would be a very easy example to generate something that would have a current politician from the building saying something that isn't one of their beliefs. And I think they're all going to vote really quickly to support this bill. Um, I think ultimately we want to make sure that people can trust the information that they're getting from the candidates that are running or from politicians that currently hold office. And I think it's going to be, or, or we always hear about dis disinformation or misinformation or whatever it may be. We want to make sure that people can see what's being presented to them and be told, hey, this is, you know, this was generated with AI to, with the intent. Usually they won't add the intent, but usually it's with the intent to mislead you. And so at least saying that, hey, this is AI, you know, okay, maybe this politician didn't say that. How important do you think it is to have that in place for our think, elections this year? I think it's critical. I think I've, I've actually personally witnessed, um, it's actually kind of funny, uh, a live stream where you have Joe Biden and Donald Trump that are AI generated, that are controlled by the people in chat, actually controlling what they say to each other or responding and in some way. Real. And it looks very real. And so with that being said, it's here. It's already here. And I think ultimately when something happens, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when something is going to be produced that will put someone in a position that they feel that obviously may be unfair. It could sway elections. And it ultimately, I think everyone wants a fair election. Everyone wants a you know fair shake. And I think if you have someone saying something that actually doesn't represent their beliefs, it, it could harm, obviously, whatever their, their chances would be of you know, holding office. What, what about broader disclosure across other AI content? I know the report says the public may benefit from disclosure requirements for certain AI applications, such as chatbots, these requirements may help ensure the public understands when an interaction is with an AI tool, tool rather than an individual. Shouldn't there be other disclosures that let me know when I'm not talking to a human? Did you talk about how disclosure could go broader than just political ads? Absolutely. Um, that was a fantastic call out from my colleagues uh, on the Democrat side of, hey, you know what? When you're using a chatbot, let's say an insurance site, whatever it may be, if you have the reasonable expectation that you're speaking with a human and it's not, there should be at least some disclosure, mm -hmm. dis, you know, some sort of disclosure at the beginning saying, for your awareness, you are speaking with an AI, a generative AI chatbot. Um, for that reason, the chatbot cannot, uh, maybe there's a liability thing where the chatbot can't make an agreement that a, you know, maybe a person could or mm -hmm. something along the lines of that. We actually did see an example, uh, I believe, with a car dealership where they actually implemented AI as a chatbot, and someone was able to get around the AI and was able to get them to sell them a truck way below the marked up price of whatever it was. I think it was an $80,000 truck that they got for a dollar. So that worked to the advantage of the consumer. <laughs> of course, of course. And so 
there, there's a little bit of a give-take where the consumer should know, but also businesses. Is there a have, reason why you didn't go further with recommendations specifically on disclosures? I think it's still early, and I think Too that's early. what it is. And I, I, that's why we wanted to make sure we called it out. We did have those conversations. We want to continue to have those conversations with all the stakeholders that may be affected by this to find what is our happy medium, what, what can everyone find common ground on when it comes to particular disclosure, whether it's, again, a chat bot or something further. So something in the future. A another area that you specifically call it in the report saying you you did not um, touch the private sector. You didn't decide to do regulation in the private sector. Why not create some guardrails in the private sector? Was that is that another area we don't have enough information about? So from a lot of the, the entities that came and testified, whether it was Microsoft or Google, I mean, we had the big hitters come out and bring some of their best talent to really say, this is what we're doing with AI. This is how we are setting our own guardrails in so we don't go off the tracks or we don't go too far. I think they did a pretty good attempt of that so far, and so we want them to continue to have that ability to set their own standards. Maybe they, within themselves, will come together and form their own standards, but we want to let them figure that out. Now, if they start crossing lines that we know are, have some legal consequences to, that's when we come in and we're going to have that conversation of, okay, well, we let you try to set your own guardrails, we let you continue to innovate, but ultimately, if you innovated to a point of legal concerns, we're going we're gonna to have that conversation. So if it, you mentioned perhaps, perhaps future legislative actions as called out in the Correct. report when it comes to private sector. Um, I know we've been talking a lot about guardrails and some of the ways to protect people, but I know you also heard a lot, a lot about the promise of AI. You had speakers talking about AI being used to you know, diagnose cancer. What, what were some of the things you heard that you are really excited about for Wisconsin in terms of in innovation in AI? Yeah, I think we are going to become a hub. Wisconsin is on the leading edge of what AI should be and how can we draw people to our state to use it and build their businesses as well. So that's been a lot of the very exciting things to see. A lot of entities coming forward being like, this is awesome. If you guys do this or you allow us to do this, we're, we're coming. We want to be a part of this. Um, but then we also got to remember, as you were mentioning with uh, you know breast cancer screening and diagnostic, we always need to make sure that AI is not going to be this thing where we don't actually, we don't let it just run on its own. It's, it's not going to be this have full autonomy on its own to do as it pleases and choose. That's Skynet. We, I opened, <laughs> I opened up, I opened, watch that movie. <laughs> I opened up the task force saying, this is not Skynet. We're trying to stay away from that. So we're all on the same page. We don't want to, we don't want to nuke ourselves. But we need to keep a human in the loop, and that's the ultimate goal. So when we have uh, AI that can do reading of, you know, let's say, particular scans much quicker and a lot more scans at once and build some sort of trend that we've been able to maybe compile that a human couldn't put together, of course we want to use that technology. We want to be able to have the best results so we can give the best care to patients, and especially in the state of Wisconsin. So I think it's going to be quite innovative once uh, it's fully embraced. Let's say if it's you know, a healthcare system anywhere in the state, I think UW may even try to do some cool stuff with it. I can't wait, but I think it's, I think it's something that we're going to 
we're definitely uh, pretty excited for. On the on the darker side of things, uh, we're just going to put up on the screen a list of some of the AI hallucinations. That was a new term for me. Uh, that ha that are being collected. This was just within the last year, and uh, we just have some examples from the AI Algorithmic and Automation Incidents and Controversies Initiative, which takes reports on these things. And there's some concerning things that AI is maybe creating. Do you think that the federal government is doing enough, or what, need, what does the federal government need to do to kind of ensure that there are guardrails for the country? Yeah, I think the federal government needs to sit down and have a conversation. Let's start there. Um, I think we've been in such a divided spot where such critical topics like AI that have emerged need to be flushed out. And I think ultimately when we talk about you know, the, the hallucination of the AI, a lot of that comes down to the data. And it comes down what's to being what's being inputted. So a lot of times you'll hear terms like uh, large learning model, uh, language model, which is where the data for AI comes from. Well, is that data appropriate? Is, let's say, are you using a chatbot or using ChatGPT where it's pulling data from, let's say, the internet? So ultimately, we need to know if an entity is using particular data that may, again, comes full circle back to the discriminatory practices. Are they using data that may discriminate against particular folks, or um, are they trying to, let's say, put their thumb on the scale for another group or whatever it may be? So I think that I think the federal government needs to wake up, <laughs> it's the best way to put it, and realize this is here now, and it's time to really look at it. And that's where, again, things like the data privacy thing, where uh, we're, we're moving on it now, but the federal government should really be looking at that very shortly. Uh, I know one of the major recommendations that had bipartisan support is the need for an ongoing conversation. You re recommend that the assembly create a standing committee on artificial intelligence. What, as we wrap up our conversation, what are some of the main things that you'll be looking for in the development of AI over the next several years, either a concern or something that's promising? I think ultimately our goal is we're trying to build trust with AI and we're trying to build transparency with AI. So again, when we had a few of the call-outs in this report saying, hey, if you're using a chatbot, are you using AI, disclose that. I think that's where we want public buy-in. We want everyone to see AI as the great tool that it can be. And so I think that's what our committee's ultimate goal will be is, are we passing legislation that brings that trust home and allows people to thrive with AI being implemented? All right. Well, thank you for the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our viewers. Be sure to tune in again as we highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us. You have been watching a production of Wisconsin Eye, your unfiltered window into legislative deliberations and public policy programming, where our mission is to provide Wisconsinites an opportunity to access the legislative process and connect with conversations that inform our citizenry. Please consider supporting our mission, and thank you for watching. Wisconsin Eye, policy made public.